things we're dealing with are threats to humanity unlike anything the world has ever seen before. We can bequeath our children a greener planet and a more prosperous future. That's what climate change is about. It is literally, not figuratively, a clear and present danger. If unprecedented changes are not made and made soon, there will be irreversible damage to the planet. Zero carbon. East tall. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 5, Just Stop the Tories. I'm Ian Collins and this is the UK's number one environment-based podcast. If it's green, it's in. I tell you what, Dale, this is a busy one today. It's almost like we've done it before. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Friday. Yeah, and it didn't record <laughs> properly. We've had to redo it again. Isn't that weird? That's a pain in the ass, isn't it? You can tell us about Green Football Weekend, though. Yeah, because I spent a very chilly four hours last Thursday outside Wembley at the launch of Green Football Weekend, which uh, is one of them Ron Seal names, right? It's a weekend, and it's all yeah. about green football. <laughs> Got <laughs> it. That's kind of... <laughs> it does what it says on the tin. Yeah. And... Uh, this is the second year of the campaign and this year's focus is on food which is like really important I, I think it's probably the best topic they could have picked because food is a really a really easy thing for us all to change and it's the biggest difference that we can make to the climate crisis and the global extinction of wildlife and our own health as well actually and it shouldn't cost us any money either uh, we just have to change what we eat. eat less animals eat more plants and that was the key message for me anyway of the launch session we had a bit of a cook-off a couple of football uh, ex-football players came along we had two teams levi roots was there as well and a bunch nice. of steel kids and uh you know we had ourselves a good good time indeed I, I mean while we're on the subject of football i'll come back to vegan food because they've got a question on that as well mm. um what's happening at forest green because you've had a little bit of a shift around yeah it was the same day thursday actually uh you know that really cold day i don't know if anyone can remember now because it's like 10 degrees now so we've got short memories aren't we it was brass monkey weather yeah that day troy dini who was our head coach he got himself uh, a four-game ban he got sent off a few weeks ago at a game for abusive and threatening language. He threatened to punch a fourth official in the head, apparently, which is really unacceptable. And on top of poor results and him slagging our players off the week before in public, I called time on his time at Forest Green uh, mm -hmm. same day. So uh, that made a bit of news. He, he went out into the media whinging a bit about it. And, um, and that's kind of still rumbling on a little bit. But uh, we've got a new appointment that we're announcing later on today. And okay. uh, I'm full of hope. Actually, we all are. We think we might have got it right this time. We hope so, uh, because, you know, we've got to save our season. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves back in non-league and nobody yeah, wants yeah. that. Yeah, you don't want to be there. And there's no reason you should be there, frankly. I mean, there's enough talent there on the pitch. So Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Last week, you offered to do the job. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to put myself forward, Dale. And, right. and I said something harsh, like I, I hear the sound of the, the bottom of the barrel scraping. <laughs> do, you <remember? laughs> do you mind? Goodness me. My credentials may not be FA recognized, Dale, but believe me, I've managed some well, mean yeah. five asides in my time. Okay. Well, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Here's the thing. I was on a cooking team with uh, three kids from a local school. And halfway through, one of them turns to me, I think her name was Chelsea. She turned to me and she said, I've got 10 million followers on YouTube. I'm like, get out of here, right? Yeah. And her friend's like, no, she has. She has. She's got three channels, 10 million followers. And I thought, well, that's insane. I feel like a nobody. It's also insane. And it's an injustice, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to contact somebody 
get this kind of caper stopped. Uh, and, and, you know, there are a lot of people that have huge followings on YouTube and other yeah. platforms and kids, you know, kids at that. I mean, I, I just think it's amazing. I mean, I'm not close to that world, but I think that a, a lot of attention, a lot of the, the attention of, of people, especially young people, is spent on social media, different platforms rather totally. than out here in the world. And I, I don't think we really sometimes, often, certainly me, give that the, uh, you know, the thought that it requires. Correct. Well, I, I think I've told you before, a couple of years ago, somebody interviewing two guys that did, they did kind of adventure holiday videos for YouTube. And they had, you know, like 80 million followers or something like that. And the interviewer said, you know, well, is your, they're about 18, this pair. They, they were clearly, you know, from good stock because otherwise they'd never been able to afford such lavish trips around the world. But nonetheless, um, or maybe they could give them what happened to them. But the interviewer said, you know, don't you, are you doing this with the hope that, you know, the BBC or ITV will pick you up? And they were like, no. Why do we want to do that? We've got, we have 220 million views every time we put something on. Yeah. We'd get nothing like that if we were on BBC <laughs> Two after University Challenge. It's crazy, isn't it? It's a whole world it's, that it's doesn't, crazy. you know, it's, yeah, there's, there's no recognition of that terrestrial stuff in the same way anymore. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think particularly interesting as this election's coming as well. I mean, I'm spending quite a bit of time thinking about that planning campaigns and stuff and how you reach your audience is a key part of that. And yeah, yeah. social media and the internet dominates the conversation. Completely. And, and increasingly so. I think it was Lord Adonis, the, the Labour peer who said, I think it was two elections ago, well, there have been so many, when he said... And yet not enough. <laughs> Indeed, and yet, and yet not enough. He said this is going to be the first uh, social media election. And he'd called it too early, frankly, but he was onto something when he said it, because we are, this next one coming up will be very social media dominated. Mm. Fast forward 10 years, and that will be almost the only territory that parties and speakers and convincers need to occupy. Mm. Which is, you know, a scary concept, really, because it's less regulated than uh, British media, which is not very regulated at all, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's true. The yeah, well, that, shit they say. Well, that's the problem. And now you've got sort of deep fake videos and you can put a video out of anybody go, well, this is, you know, I don't, here's Kieran Rishi playing tennis together, <laughs> showing that there is no difference. And of course, it's not. Somebody's just faked it up and they yeah. can do it very convincingly now. Mm. Doesn't even look clunky. No, no. Uh, here's a question from John. He says, Dale, which vegan cheeses do you use at Forest Green Rovers? I tried some a few years ago. They weren't too nice. Uh, are they any better these days? I don't think he means he tried Forest Green Rovers once. No, no. A few years no. ago. I think he means just he's talking just about the evolution of your vegan cheese. No, I think he's which right. Which has been on a journey, right? Yeah, absolutely. It has been on a journey. I get the question. I think it's a good question. And yeah, I've been there too. I tried vegan cheeses some years ago. And, you know, it's a bit like, uh, I don't know. Biting something unappealing, let's just say that. Um, but vegan like cheese, eating toenails. <laughs> I've never tried that, but you know, soft I mean, ones. I was, uh, yeah, I was going to say. Anyway, I'm going to take his word for it, your word for that, actually, Ian. Um, okay. and just say <laughs> the cheese we use for our screen is Life, and uh, it's actually the one I use myself as well uh, in a cheese sandwich or something like that because um, it's really good. It's kind of like a cheddar thing, cheddar slice or a cheddar block. But I have tried some other cheeses that kind of. Um, the uh, fake or mock uh, camembert, for example. And, uh, you know, people are doing incredible things with, yeah. with nut fat and bacteria, which is all it takes to make cheese. Well, fat and bacteria, that's cheese, right? I mean, it's incredible. I, I don't remember what 
you know, let's call it real cheese tastes like for sure. And, and maybe there's a mistake there inherent in that, you know, it's hard if you're just giving cheese up because you're comparing it to something. But if you're not, and you just want something that's nice to eat, you like the texture, you like the taste, then uh, vegan cheese is already working. If you're a cheese connoisseur, who knows, but there for me is a kind of critical debate. It's like meat replacements. You know, if you're trying to fake the gristly texture of meat and stuff like that, then I, I, I'm, that's not for me. I'm revolted. But if you, but is it all right if, if it is, because uh, I know there's this sort of lab-grown chicken that's that's mm-hmm. kind of out there, and there's a couple of restaurants, I think one in New York, possibly one in Singapore, have tried it almost as an, a kind of an experiment. I, I assume some sort of relationship between science and <laughs> cookery. They, they kind of sold it like a portion of chicken nuggets for about $170 or something yeah. because they're so rare. And, of course, no chicken was involved in the making of these particular nuggets and now they have the recipe they can do that on does it now matter if it tastes like chicken well often they take cells from chicken they do it with cows they they uh, stick a huge needle into them real deep and they extract tissue and they grow tissue so if it's that kind of fake meat grown from actual animal tissue then chickens are involved in that kind of stuff you remind me i was at a football game uh, just a couple of weeks ago liverpool uh, versus arsenal in the fa cup and was having a conversation about 3D printed meat because I just tried some. It was on sushi, but I didn't choose it. It was on a piece of sushi. I couldn't eat it. Uh, it was just, uh, it was just a revolting experience, not of taste, but of of texture. They'd introduced marbling to mock the fat, and they had this yeah. like chewy texture as well. And I was just like, oh god, why do I want that? I mean, it, it's true. Well, no, I mean, I, it's been done before. My old kebab shop when I lived in East London, <laughs> Rami's Kebabs. He was knocking out shit that definitely wasn't meat. So you know. <laughs> This fella's been, I don't know what the hell was in those things, but it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't me. Lips, bums, and ears. That's what's in yeah. pies and sausages, right? That's the. Rami was ahead of the game back was. then, I think, <laughs> in a curious way. He just didn't know what he was onto. Oh, I saw a story today, actually, about fake eel meat that had been grown in labs. Eel meat? Well, that's a kind of nice tie-in of the East London reference there, maybe. Oh, sort I, of jelly and maybe the next story, as it happens, I'm just looking at it now. Uh, which one? The, the bottom trawling one. <laughs> oh, the bottom trawling. <laughs> Carbon released by bottom trawling. Can we explain what bottom trawling is, by the way? It's nothing to do with, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, bottom of the sea, we're talking. Yeah, bottom here. of the sea, yeah. Uh, big nets, like, you know, they can be uh, they can be miles long. Uh, they weigh, you know, hundreds of tons, dragged along the seabed and, and just trashing everything. Imagine plowing the sea floor, but, you know, completely, not in furrows, just completely trashing it. It kills everything it doesn't catch in the net. And most of the catch is bycatch anyway. It's a hideous way to try and catch fish. But here's the story. Oh, you should introduce the story. I'm just telling you what bottom trawling is. Tag. Yeah, I mean, well, the problem is too big to ignore, according to a study about this. And you, you've kind of already outlined the sheer scale of it, which I assume is the reason why it's too big to ignore. Yeah, so like some of the stats out of this study, uh, they talk about 370 million tons of carbon dioxide annually. That's from, you know, just one aspect of fishing, bottom, yeah, bottom yeah. trawling. Here's a stat. In the last 20 years, let's call it that, right? Something like 9 billion tons of carbon dioxide. I mean, f***ing hell, right? There's a cli- 9, there's, billion nine billion tons. tons. There's a climate crisis on. No wonder. And we don't think of it coming from the seafloor. That's the point, right? Well, I, I th- this is possibly a kind of an area of, of, of carbon poisoning, let's call it that, that we don't we don't talk about much. That's right. And fish is generally held to be a more sustainable food source, not by me, but, you know, that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah, because, yeah. oh, you know, fish is not factory farmed, blah, 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 you know. But there's a, there's a hidden impact, and it's a rather big one. Sticking with bad shit going down, <laughs> as Minam would have said, Greenland losing 30 million tons of ice 
an hour. Yeah. <laughs> that, Man, a lot. That's a lot I mean, of cocktails, the, right? This is the po- this is the just a lot of cocktails over there in Saudi, right? <laughs> this this is uh, the, the the stat episode we would call this. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Thirty million times. Yeah. and and you know, worse than that. I mean, that sounds bad enough, but you might think, oh, well, I'm sure it happens all of the time. It's 20% more than previously thought, probably like six, seven million tons more per hour, yeah. per hour than was thought. And it's not just a loss of ice, which, you know, sounds shocking, and, and it is. I mean, it's, it, it's big. But this ice is turning to fresh water, pours into the North Atlantic, and it could trigger a collapse of something called the AMOC. If this thing collapses, this is going to have a, a mad effect on uh, the global climate. Right, because we we yeah. know that the the way the seas move, you know, has a big impact on on the climate on land, and uh, yeah. you know, this thing could collapse just because of just too much ice building, too much amok, too much amok. It's 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 running amok. There you, you see, that's a great acronym, isn't it? it is. They don't it's know their grass from their amok. I think that's the- <laughs> climate crisis is running amok. Come on, I like it. Indeed, yeah. I wonder if they knew that when they maybe. Uh, let's stay with breathtaking stats. Oh. Here's another one. Uh, analysis revealing 80% of North Sea oil is exported. Yeah. yeah. So not only is it happening, it's happening, <laughs> then it's going somewhere else. So you couldn't even use the argument, well, domestically, we need this. Well, actually, unless you were somebody called Rishi Sunak, because that's exactly what he's been doing. He's been gaslighting the entire country, saying that his harebrained scheme to drill the North Sea for more oil and gas is all about energy security and lowering bills. And he put three billion pounds into Rosebank. He gave it to a Norwegian company to drill an uneconomic gas field in uh, off the Shetlands or something like that. And he made the same self-same argument. It will help with our energy security. But it turned out for that project, 90% was not never going to land here. It was going straight to international markets. And this study updates on that and says, actually, we're already at 80% anyway. It shows you the I don't know, the the paucity of the argument around fossil fuels, the claim that that's the way to get energy security. I mean, we we know it's a joke for so many different reasons, but the fact that none of the stuff we make here, virtually none of the stuff lands here anyway, just gives the lie to the whole damn thing. Absolutely. Here's a question that comes in from Nick. Dale, I was wondering what your opinion is on the newly published UK strategy for carbon capture and storage, which proposes to use seagoing ships to transport the CO2s I'm laughing already. From source to storage location. Crazy, right, says Nick, and completely missing the point of trying to reduce CO2 production. Yeah, it does. It misses the point completely. Prevention is always better than cure, whether you're in the you know dentist game, the health game, or the or the climate game, right? There. But this is the the lie we're being sold by the oil and gas companies. You know, oh, it's okay. We can still burn fossil fuels because we just capture the carbon and put it somewhere else. It's completely uneconomic, bonkersly uneconomic. And this happened. This came out in a week when the government announced another 2.5 billion pounds of taxpayers' money going to Drax, that monster power station that burns virgin forests sent all the way from Canada and claims that they're carbon neutral. They're getting two and a half billion to build a carbon capture and storage demonstration project. And then days later, it turns out that the whole cost actually of that scheme will be 40 billion pounds added to our energy bills. I mean, what the f***? Right. This is the government that criticizes Labour for wanting to spend money on green energy, and they're going to spend forty billion pounds trying to clean up the burning of Canadian forests. Does anybody like hand a note around at the meeting and <laughs> say, Prime Minister or Secretary of State, whoever's there, uh, we've just whipped out the abacus and we've worked out <laughs> this is going to be like tens of millions? Are you okay with that? 
because it kind of slightly defeats everything. Well, do you know what, what happens there? Somebody must know that figure. Well, I, well, they do. I mean, I, I think they work hard to keep it secret, actually, because, you know, the original release was like two and a half, just two and a half billion, right, to build this idiotic scheme. But it turns out there's an annual payment and it's going to cost 40 billion. But you've got to wonder if the government aren't engaged at the moment in, in a policy of uh, not quite scorching the earth, but poisoning the earth for the next government. If they make commitments like these, stupid commitments like these for huge sums of money, Labour gets saddled with them. Uh, well, that's... That's exactly it, isn't it? Because that that stays in the pot. There's nothing you can do. You inherit it. That's right. Uh, let's move to a story. Uh, it's about one of your ex-girlfriends, Dale. Trey's uh, <laughs> yeah. Coffee, the former cabinet former cabinet minister. I, I say that obviously slightly tongue in cheek. Uh, you had a very brief altercation with her on an escalator, and even that sounds worse than it was. It does. It does. You're you're still not doing it justice. She used, no, I'm not really. I'm going to give it a go. She used me as a human shield to keep the media away from her. She, she was quite... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to body shame anybody, but that takes some doing, right? <laughs> she's just trying to avoid Sorry. questions. And she's, she's put me in the way of the questioner. And she's quite yeah. adept at it as we went up the escalator at the Tory party conference. It was a couple of seasons ago now. And it was it was amusing, you know, and uh, she, she apologized afterwards. <laughs> I said, sorry for doing that. And I was, yeah, it was fine. It was funny. But yeah, she's in the news this week. Well, this week, last week now, because of our, <laughs> our IT glitch. Our technical hitch, yeah. yes. <laughs> and, and, and for something really funny. And, you know, it throws into question, again, for me, the, the quality or the lack of it, of, of the whole government cabinet. You know, there's a whole bunch of fools there that, that just run from one job to another, not having a clue what the brief is and not having much of a clue about anything. You know, people like Grant Shapps, for example. How did he ever get to be cabinet minister multiple times, for example? He's been a minister of more departments than actually exist. I think he made one up along the way. He's done it so many times. He's been everywhere, this dude. It can't stop being a Secretary of State. <laughs> Tell us what Therese did. Well, what she did in the House of Commons, Yvette Cooper, who's uh, the Labour Shadow Home Secretary, an incredibly polished performer as well, and always on top of her brief, she talked about, during the uh, debate on Rwanda, she referred to the Kigali government, which, of course, is the Kigali being the capital of Rwanda, mm. to which uh, Trace Coffey uh, picked her up on this and said, you can't even get the country right. It's not Kigali, it's Rwanda. Uh, but of course, it's the same thing. <laughs> you got to love it, it. You got to love it. And, and I was thinking earlier, like, you know, if you if you look at what's going through Parliament at the moment, what the government focused on, what are this government focused on? This is a good question, right? What have they done yet? I don't know. But what are they focused on? It's uh, this oil and gas policy, this this bill they want to bring through that says, let's Let's drill for more fossil fuels in the teeth of a climate crisis because all of the scientists of the world and the economists of the world tell us we shouldn't do that, let alone the, you know, uh, the, the politicians. I mean, it's against the consensus and all three of those things. Um, and and they, they're making a big fuss about it, but we have to drill for fossil fuels is our right, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a wedge issue, right? A culture war issue. And the other big thing they're doing is Rwanda. Right, they're saying that basically the only way that uh, well they said this before the only way we can control immigration is Brexit, right? So we had Brexit, immigration doubled if you look at the stats, doubled overnight, <laughs> which is incredible. And now they say, but it's the small boats. We've got to stop the small boats. Three point seven percent of all immigration to our country last year came across the channel in small boats. Why is the news agenda dominated by this three point seven percent? Like it's the end of the world if we don't deal with it. That's our government for you, fighting the wrong battle on fossil fuels and the wrong battle on immigration. 
Sorry, I've just had a separate uh, thought in my head that when the Tories are kicked out at this year's election, I think Grant Shapps is still going to turn up for work every day (laughs) with a box. (laughs) Bless him. Is that a red box? (laughs) Shapps, yeah. What are we doing today? I've got a tragic image in my mind now. Bless him. There is something about that. Um, We've got another question to get in, but a final story here. A third of UK teens think climate crisis is exaggerated. Now, I was really surprised to read that because I always thought it was the kind of younger demographic that were completely on board and didn't need much persuasion. But a new report has found that climate change denial is increasing among young people, what the hell's going on? Yeah, well, it looks like uh, it looks like social media again, doesn't it? You know, it's based on a study of YouTube and found a significant number of people, you know, being exposed to climate denial stuff, which the big platforms, the big tech platforms have to get a grip of because, you know, we wouldn't allow Holocaust denial. And the climate is the future Holocaust. It's the one that's coming and we shouldn't allow it. It's a harmful, damaging thing. And a final question. This comes in from Steve, who says, uh, with Trump vowing to drill, baby, drill, how devastating would another Trump term be for the environment? Yeah, mate, that's a good question, right? I mean, how devastating would it be for so many things, for that man to once more lead the most powerful country in the world? I mean, he's he's threatening all kinds of crazy shit. I mean, we think he did crazy shit last time. He was outstanding, wasn't it? But he's 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 back, bigger and bolder, and and he's making promises like he's going to give uh, immunity to American cops, you know, to like kill who they want. And and I'm sat there thinking, but I thought they had that anyway. The the other like almost funny thing that he does, Ron DeSantis. Big wrong, governor of Florida, who was the arch enemy of Trump. Trump had maligned and completely tried to obliterate this man into oblivion because he was an opponent looking for the Republican ticket. And Big Ron dropped out at the weekend and now endorsed Trump. And Trump's first oh. speech was how what a fantastic oh, guy God. Big Ron was. <laughs> My well, good that's... friend over there in Florida. It was all of that. Mm. He just likes me. Oh, that's good. That's a good impersonation. I like that. I don't know where that came from, actually. But look, he's facing 91 charges, criminal charges, most of them. I know. And it, yes. You know, and he could be the president from prison. It's possible. Oh, wouldn't that be something? You swap the White House for the shite house. Live from Alcatraz. <laughs> it's presidential question time. I'd love to see it. Uh, Dale, that is it for this episode. We'll speak in seven days. That's it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, to follow this podcast so you get each new episode automatically. Really important bit. Follow Dale on social media, twitter.com slash Vince, facebook.com slash Vince, and on TikTok, TikTok too. <laughs> Zero carbon east off.